Hey, it's Anna Sale, and I want to thank you for listening to Death, Sex, and Money, where I explore the big questions and hard choices that are often left out of polite conversation. You can hear new episodes ad-free every week on Amazon Music, where you can find Death, Sex, and Money and all of your Slate favorites without the ads. It's easy to move down in class, but to move up in class, it's it's close to impossible. I mean, whatever class you're born into, most people stay in that class, you know. And to move up, uh, that's it, it, it's a challenge. It's it's a huge challenge. This is opportunity costs from death, sex, and money. There are wealthy people who call themselves upper middle class. A series all about class, which we think about a lot. Everything I wanted, I got. And need to talk about more. I worked really hard, but I very much am poor. I'm Anna Sale. When Ramal Johnson emailed us, he was in his first semester of a PhD program at Howard University in DC. He's studying communications. And he was working two retail jobs to afford rent in the Washington area, one at Best Buy and one at Express. His days were long. My alarm would go off at 4 a.m. and I would spend about 10 minutes thinking about how I got into this mess. (laughs) And then I would get up, shower, do all of that, dress, and I would have to leave my apartment by 4.45 to get on the train. I'd take the train to... Arlington, Virginia, get to work at Best Buy. Work usually from 6 a.m. to 12 p.m. Then I get to Express, work there, get off at about 11 p.m. and then get back home about 12.30 a.m. So now it's the next day and then sleep until 4 a.m. and then do it all over again. What did you picture your life being like when you thought about what it would be like to be a PhD student at Howard? Um, not like this. (laughs) Ramal laughed a lot while we talked, but the email he'd written to us was more somber. He wrote, I don't go out. I'm considering applying for food stamps. I've sold my possessions for money, but I'm running out of things to sell. I had an iPad, then I sold it. And uh, I had a TV, I sold that. Did you sell them at a pawn shop or on Craigslist, or how did you sell them? Craigslist, yeah. And, um, well, the TV I sold on Craigslist, and then the iPad I sold on the app called Let Go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I sold it on there. And right now, how would you define yourself class-wise? Uh, I guess you could say working class, but I come from a middle-class family. So I have a middle-class mentality, but as far as finances are concerned, uh, I guess it'd be working class. I, th- I, I had to uh, do this thing a few months ago, and I had to turn in my taxes. And it said, you know, how much money did you make last year? And I looked at it for the first time, and it was like $13,000 last year. It's like, sheesh. <laughs> so, yeah. Growing up, Ramal felt much more stable class-wise. His mom was in the military, and they lived on a base in Massachusetts. It was very clear there where he stood in relation to his peers. Their parents and your parents are making pretty much or a lot of times the exact same amount of money. So your lifestyles are pretty much identical. But Ramal says it doesn't feel that way at Howard. Howard is like the epitome of class differences when it comes to the African-American community. You have 
everybody from, you know, celebrity children sending their kids to this school to working class people who were here on full ride scholarships going to this school. Mm-hmm. So everybody has a different um, mindset when it comes to money. We all, we all don't think about it and respect it the same way. What's something that you notice a student doing who's maybe in your department as a grad student that you can s- see that their life is different than yours class-wise? Um, gosh, gosh, there's so many. Uh, they, a lot of them have, you know, really, really nice cars. Um, they don't, and I'm not saying all, so I don't, I don't want anybody to email me. Ramal said, oh, no, Ramal did not say all. <laughs> I'm not saying all. <laughs> um, a lot of them, they don't take school that seriously. And I guess it's because they don't really have to, you know, um, with people like me, it's, it's either an education or nothing. We don't have anything to fall back on. We have nothing to go back to. Ramal is the first in his family to go to college. He's got his master's, too. And he's almost $200,000 in student loan debt. When he started at Howard, he thought he'd be able to defer loan payments, but he couldn't. That's what led to those long days of double shifts. And sometimes it still wasn't enough. With Express and... um and Best Buy, you can go on online and see how much your paycheck will be maybe like two days before you actually get it deposited into your bank account. Uh-huh. So I would go and I would see how much I'm getting. And then I would like, you know, add the two paychecks up and I would say, okay, this is how much I'm going to get. This is how much I need. Okay, I'm good. But if I didn't have it, then I would say, okay, what am I going to do? I was always in survival mode, you know, not so much. Not so much how much I owed, but what do I need right now, you know? So you just moved to this place, and then just a few week, months later, you find yourself in a pretty dire financial crisis. Did you have anyone in your life there to talk to about money? No. Um, I don't want to say I kept it a secret, but I, if I wanted to talk to somebody about it, I didn't know who I would talk to. Did you feel angry at anyone um i didn't feel angry i just i felt ah god i don't know how i felt i kind of felt like a failure you know i kind of felt like i'm finally here and now i have to go home after like three weeks four weeks five weeks i was just depressed i was sad and i went through the stages (laughs) you know uh I mean, you know, I I was angry, but at nobody in particular. I guess I was just angry at the situation. Why do you want to get a PhD? Um, if I had to really answer the question, I guess it's because it opens so many more opportunities and people take you much more seriously, especially as an African-American male. People don't take me seriously in the first place. So with the PhD, I'll have more of a chance It's just always been something I told myself I'm going to do. When you think about where you'll land professionally and Mm class-wise, what do you picture? Um, Eventually, it will be upper middle class um, with my education and income. Just not tomorrow. There's a pretty good chance I'll be making six figures in the future, you know, living in a nicer neighborhood, 
uh, I may even finally buy a car, which I don't think I ever will, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, I'll be able to afford a car. I'll be able to afford, you know, really nice vacations. And that's where I'll eventually land. But uh, I think I'll always have a middle class mentality. And when you think about that job, the the over six figures job, mm-hmm. what's what's that based on? Like, how do you know that you'll earn that after you get a PhD? Well, most people who have PhDs, um, if if not six figures and close to it, so they're making you know eighty, ninety thousand a year. Um, plus, I live in DC, so um, you know. Coming to D.C., there's so many more opportunities and there's so many more doors that are opening for me and so many more doors will open once I get my my last degree because after this, I'm not going back to school. I'm done. (laughs) Coming up, how Ramal thinks about his retail jobs and why he didn't invest much energy trying to make friends with his coworkers there. I guess I never really felt a, a strong connection because I felt, you know, this is... I'm just using this as a way to eat. <laughs> I need to eat. I need money. So this is what I'm going to do until I find something um, more appropriate with with my degree and my um, education. The majority of Americans self-identify as somewhere in the middle class, including a lot of you. I guess I would be working middle class. Upper middle class. Lower middle class. Middle class. Upper middle class. The lower edge of the middle class. The median household income in the United States is just over $59,000. But as Ramal's experience shows, figuring out just what middle class means is complicated. For some people, it's being able to own your own home or take your family on a vacation once a year. For others, it's what you do on the weekends or what kind of foods you like to eat. If you want to get an idea of where you fit, the Pew Research Center built a calculator to help. It takes into account where in the country you live and how many people live with you, because that changes things too. There's a link to that calculator on our website for this series at deathsexmoney.org class. On the next episode, I talk with one woman about how divorce affected where she fits class-wise. When I look back now, I see I was really in denial about the finances. And I wish that from the first day I had made major changes. This episode is brought to you by Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he will chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalyst for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. We have had a lot of exciting new things to share with you about the show recently, but this might be some of our biggest news yet. 
Death, Sex, and Money is officially going to be live in New York City at the Tribeca Festival on June 11th. And I want to personally invite you to the live taping we'll be doing with the legendary journalist Kara Swisher. If you know Kara's work, you know her ability to get people to tell her things is unmatched. And she does it in her signature, hard-charging way. She's not afraid of things getting a little combustible. I have a slightly different interview style, so we're going to talk about that and play around with that in experimental ways that I think will make this a special show unlike any of our other live shows up to this point. And it's not often that I get to do a live Death, Sex, and Money show in New York, so I really hope to see you there. Whether you're in the city, on the East Coast, or just been looking for a reason to visit New York City, come on June 11th for this show. You can get tickets now at TribecaFilm.com slash Death, Sex, Money. We are so excited to see you there. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. Ramal Johnson has kept his life at school very separate from his shifts at his retail jobs. I don't tell a lot of people getting a PhD because I don't want them to think that I'm bragging or boasting. So that's a middle-class mentality thing. We we try to fit in. Um, we, we don't like to stand out too much. Mm-hmm. When you think about your your class situation right now mm-hmm. is there anything that embarrasses you um hmm i guess only when see okay here's the thing about being black <laughs> here's the thing a lot of people don't realize that there is a middle class when it comes to African-Americans, you know, mm-hmm. because, of course, the only time you really see African-Americans on TV is where when we're on welfare or we're basketball stars or rap stars or music stars. So, they, so a lot of people believe those are the only two African-Americans that exist. So um, sometimes when I'm talking to somebody who is an African-American who's from working class, they think I grew up like them. So they'll say things to me and I just don't understand or I've never had those experiences that can be a little embarrassing. And so I try to, I try to relate to them, but after a while they, they can tell, you know, I did not grow up the way they did. And then there are the African-Americans who are, you know, wealthy families. So they'll talk to me like I have all this money. So that can be a little embarrassing when people assume things that are totally incorrect about me. Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned in those examples, like, how other black people treat you. Um, I'm sure another layer is also, like, white people who are even more clueless when it comes to race. Oh, yeah, let's get into it. (laughs) Um, Just being African-American, being black, you have all these stereotypes on you from the minute people see you or they hear your voice or they see your name, you know, oh, I bet he's going to be really loud or, oh, I bet she's not going to show up on time. And... A lot of us, we try to, you know, not fit those stereotypes. We're trying to distance ourselves from their beliefs. But then you come off, as as we say in uh, the Black community, you come off as bougie. You know, oh, you think you're better than me. So it's it's like you have one foot in one world and one foot in the other world. And it's it's... 
Uh, it can be really exhausting because you want to fit in with your class, but then you also want to fit in with your race. And a lot of times they don't fit together. Yeah. So I'm struck that in the, in the midst of that, that you had the courage to write us an email and say, I'm having a really hard time. Yeah, at first I was a little wary, but then I thought, you know what, I should be honest because there's a lot of people who are going through what I'm going through as far as money and class is concerned. But, you know, in American culture, we don't talk about money. We don't talk about class. We just, it's this thing that we all are somewhat aware of, but we're told you, you never talk about it. So when people are having money issues or they're having class issues, um, they feel alone. And they feel like nobody will understand. Nobody gets it. I'm by myself in this. Nobody wants to be the first one to say, I'm having money issues. And then once you say it, everyone else is like, oh, I'm having money issues too. Oh, yeah, me too. But we're all just kind of sitting around waiting for somebody to say it first. I'm not the kind of person to, you know, put on airs and act like everything's fine and, and spend more than I have. But, um... You know, I see a lot of people who do that. And I know this is going to sound silly, but sometimes I envy them because I feel like, you know, I wish I could say, well, you know, I just spent all my money on clothes or I spent all my money chasing skirts or whatever. Uh, in order not to have money problems, I just stopped doing that and my money problems will go away. But my money problems were because just simply I was not born with a lot of money. I was not born to a family with a lot of money. It wasn't anything that I did. And there are a lot of people, you know, like that who have issues that it's no fault of their own. It's just the 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 card they drew in life. That's Ramal Johnson, a PhD student at Howard University. When a professor heard he was considering dropping out because of money, she helped him get a teaching assistant job. That covers his tuition for a full course load this semester, so he's quit his two retail jobs. To cover living expenses, he's relying on more student loans. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios in New York. I'm based at the Center for Investigative Reporting in Emeryville, California. Our team includes Katie Bishop, Annabelle Bacon, Emily Botin, and Andrew Dunn. Thanks to Dan Bazula for his help on this series. Our interns are Catherine Shu and Angeli Mercado. The Reverend John Delore and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find us there at Death Sex Money. This series, Opportunity Costs, is produced in collaboration with BuzzFeed News. All this week, you can read personal essays and hear conversations with our listeners about class and money in America today. The website is deathsexmoney.org slash class. I called Ramal back at the start of the semester to see how he's doing now that he's not working those double shifts. He told me he's getting a lot more rest and his body is still getting used to it. One thing I was surprised at was how long nighttime was <laughs> because, <laughs> because I was so used to getting up at four, I wasn't sleeping. So now that I was sleeping, I would wake up and I would say, oh, let's do nighttime. What am I gonna do? <laughs> I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. 